car repair, the nightmare of the Western world. You don't know the difference between the catalytic converter and the powertrain, the carburetor and the camshaft. You've been ripped off endlessly by unscrupulous mechanics who've charged hundreds or thousands of dollars. You're sick of feeling like a complete idiot, and you just don't want to take it or pay for it anymore. Well, your life's about to change. Meet Pam Oaks, ASE certified and top-notch auto technician host, shop owner, and author of Car Care for the Clueless, or How to Make Money While Maintaining a Vehicle. She'll answer your questions and teach you how to talk car talk. Get under the hood right now with Pam. And welcome back to another episode. On today's show, we're going to be talking to Pablo Sarmiento, ASC Master L1 Technician. And our topic this week is going to be spark plugs. We've all heard the term spark plugs, and some of us have seen what a spark plug looks like. But what does it really do for our car? And how can it save us money? We're going to have our gadget guru back, Peter Sudak, with another economically priced gadget, which this one's pretty neat. It helps you keep your eyes on the road. Of course, we have our trouble service bulletins. And this week, we're going to be concentrating on Audi and Jeep Cherokees. In our email question of the week, we have Fran from New York. And Fran has a question regarding her brakes. A new feature on our show, cheap car tips. That's right. Stuff that you can do in your driveway. And it's cheap. And it's effective. And you're going to be very pleased with the results. And of course, we need to thank our sponsors, Jasper Engines and Transmissions. Jasper Engines and Transmissions, 100% associate-owned. If you are in need of an engine or a transmission, ask for Jasper by name. And let's not forget Continental Tires. Continental Tires. I have them on my car, all my family members' cars, my fiancé's car. I love my Continental Tires, and you will too. So if you're looking for a new set of sneakers for your car, Ask for Continental Tires. And now let's get on with our show and let's give Pablo a call and talk about what is a spark plug. Hi, Pablo. This is Pam. Oh, hi, Pam. How are you today? Okay. All right. Just busy, busy. Good. Uh, you're going to tell us a little something about spark plugs. Uh, spark plugs? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Well... <laughs> Popular subject. Yes, it is. <laughs> but but the fact of the matter is, uh, it may not be such a popular subject, but every car on the road, except for diesels, mm-hmm. every car on the road has, they have spot plugs in them. Otherwise, they, they wouldn't even work. But uh, the spot plug in reality, for somebody that don't know, it's just a device that is used to ignite the fuel uh, inside the engine, which in terms gives it the power. And it's just a simple device. It has two electrodes, a negative and a positive electrode. High voltage uh, flows right through that positive electrodes, and, mm-hmm. and, 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 and then it jumps in a small gap between the two electrodes, and that spark, that spark is what ignites the fuel. Um, now, i got to tell you, the spot plugs, they are the one ignition part that works the hardest because it works on a very harsh environment. Uh, for one thing, let me tell you a little bit about the combustion. 
the combustion. So the, for somebody who don't understand what that is, uh, mm -hmm. that's where the air and the fuel mixes in there, and it gets compressed uh, in order to produce the power for the engine. But inside this uh, cylinder, okay, okay. Um, which we'll talk about a little more, but inside this cylinder, you can get uh, compressions when you're stepping on the gas uh, as high as 700 pounds, okay? When you're stepping on the gas, about oh, yes. 700 pounds. Mm -hmm. And the spot plug has to take that. The other thing is high temperatures. The combustion itself, the walls of the cylinder uh, and the engine block, uh, they don't get too hot, okay? They, they are maintained because they're cooled by, by the coolant. Right. Uh, and they are maintained at no more, you know, around... Uh, 210 degrees or so, but at the center of the uh, combustion chamber, while the fuel and the air is uh, burning, this thing can reach like 2,000 degrees. Okay. Oh yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. And so, and, but but anyway, just for uh, just one thing, I want to touch very lightly how this combustion is designed. Okay, mm -hmm. for somebody that don't know. Everybody knows when you go to the doctor and the doctor gives you an injection, you know, and mm -hmm. they know how that syringe works. Well, uh, the cylinder, the piston is very similar in that it has uh, a plunger, the plunger being the piston, okay? And okay. the plunger, just like the syringe, they, the plunger goes inside that housing very tightly, and when you squeeze that plunger, then the fluid comes out of the other side. Well, that's almost very similar. The, the only difference is that the piston is connected to the crankshaft, and the crankshaft is what moves that piston up. Now, for somebody who don't know anything about that, everybody knows what a bicycle, the bicycle pedals look like. Right. And you know that when you're moving the pedals uh, with your legs, uh, in that motion, your legs got to go up and down. Well, the piston is connecting to the crankshaft through something called the connecting rod. And the crankshaft, just talking about a single cylinder, let's mm -hmm. concentrate on a single cylinder. Um, the crankshaft just moves up and down just like the bicycle pedals. So just like your legs moves up and down, the piston moves up and down. When it moves up, let's say that the piston is at the very top, and just to visualize that really quick, when it's at the very top, mm -hmm. let's say there are two valves at the top, okay, on a simple uh, uh, engine. There are two valves. One is an intake valve, and the other one is the exhaust valve. When the piston is at the very top, that intake valve opens up, and the piston starts moving down, Mm -hmm. And it starts drawing. It starts drawing whatever's on the intake, uh, which is the intake manifold, and most of it's going to draw is air, okay, which enters the engine through mm -hmm. the air filter. Right. Well, what happens is that at the same time, like the, fuel, the fuel injectors, they inject a little bit of fuel in the right proportions. Mm -hmm. And when that piston reaches the bottom, uh, the valves, they close at the top. Now the piston starts pushing up, and it starts compressing all that mixture. When all that mixture gets pretty much at the top, which is about 150 pounds okay. uh, of compression, that's when the spot plug ignites that mixture. It produces the gases. They, they get hotter, so they expand even more, and that pushes the piston all the way down, producing the power that you feel when you're stepping on the gas. And that happens extremely quickly. So the spot plug has to keep up. 
with all these things at a very fast pace. Now, I got to tell you, on the electrical aspect, uh, without getting too involved in this thing, right. the fact of the matter is that brings the, the voltage, the high voltage to the spot plug is something called the ignition coil. And uh, these coils, uh, I got to tell you, they are powerful, especially on the newer cars. Oh, yes. They can, they can put out up to, up to an average of 60,000 volts. And, oh, mama, when that stuff hits you, let me tell you, let's oh, yeah. put it this way. You don't need any more coffee that day <laughs> <laughs> because you, you're going to be awake for sure. Yes, we've all been bit by that, haven't that, we? That is right. That's right. When you're testing these things and you get a little careless and sap, oh, oh yeah. okay. But, but the fact is, this coil is what brings all that voltage. In reality, uh, you only need about even as little as uh, 1,500 volts, uh, uh, 1,000, 2,000 volts mm -hmm. is capable of jumping the gap on the spot plug between the two electrodes, which, by the way, is on the average about the size, about the thickness of a penny, which is like right. 60,000 of an inch, mm -hmm. okay? So it's not much of a big gap, but for a spark to jump across uh, under harsh conditions, yes, it is. And what's happening is that, uh, as I said before, you only need about a couple of thousand, two or three thousand volts uh, to, to really jump that, like, like no problem. The problem has to do with when the piston is under high compression, it's compressing all these gases, it is a lot harder for the spark to jump across because all these gases are compressed and remember, uh, most of everybody knows what the atom is, and all these atoms and molecules are all compressed, and they're hitting each other, and the electrons, which is what electricity is, mm -hmm. okay, the flow of electron, is very hard for, to jump, to ionize that air and jump across. And that's the reason why the coil has got to have so much reserve voltage. The other thing is that... When that spark occurs across the spot plug electrodes, it gotta it has to be a thick spark. It cannot be a weak spark right. in order to ignite the fuel in a hurry. So we're not going to talk anymore about uh, the electrical <laughs> part of it. But uh, the other thing is, uh, I gotta tell you, I, uh, I like the bicycle analogy though. That was yeah, good. That's, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Now. Here's something else that uh, in modern cars, uh, we don't even talk about it anymore, but uh, the old-timers do remember this very well, uh, spot plug heat ranges. Not that far back, I remember when I started back in the 70s, I, I, I used to go to the parts house, and there used to be like three different heat ranges for a given car. So if the yes. car was to be driven primarily around town, you used to go for the, or if the car was burning a little oil or something, you used to go for the hotter plug. Yes. And, 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 and vice versa. If the car used to go for high-speed driving primarily, then you used to go for the primary plug that they call for a little colder. Okay. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing, just to touch the subject just a little bit. What makes a spot plug hotter or colder is not anything electrical. It's more like how the spot plug is 
made. I want to bring one important aspect of a spot plug heat range. Spot plugs are very much like a self-cleaning oven, and everybody has one of those pretty much at home, okay, or know about it. The self-cleaning oven gets to about 800 degrees or something, and and, and that's how any meals or melted cheese or whatever's in there, it turns into carbon and eventually it turns into ashes. Well, the spot plug got to have the right heat range because it, it, it is desirable for the tip of the spot plug to be hot enough so it can develop that self-cleaning um, mechanism so it don't get fouled up, Okay. But what happens is that if it's too cold, if it doesn't dissipate heat quick enough, or, or if it dissipates, rather, the heat too quick, then the spot plug doesn't uh, develop that self-cleaning um, feature, and then it gets fouled up with uh, carbon and fuels and this and that, and oh, before yes. you know it, your car won't start. So, so yeah, that's... Um, that's that's a, a thing that uh, well we all like to get on our car, start the thing, and punch it and go. And I'm no different. But uh, when you think about these little things, without spot plugs, there wouldn't be a single car on the road except for those diesels that don't don't use spot plugs. No, that's, that's true. <laughs> and if you're just tuning in, this is Car Care for the Clueless. I'm your host Pam Oaks, and today we're talking about what is a spark plug. We have our email question of the week, Fran, and she wants to talk about her brakes on her Dodge van. And, of course, we have our gadget guru back, Peter Sudak, with another economically priced gadget. Stick around for our trouble service bulletins and our cheap car tips. Yes, something new, something you can do in your driveway. It's cheap, and you're going to really be pleased with the outcome. So let's get back to the show. You know, it's amazing that even uh, the start of the assembly line to today, the changes that the automotive industry has gone through, and yet we still have the spark plug. That's right. And uh, I, I bet you're going to ask me who invented the spark plug. Okay, don't ask me, okay? Okay. <laughs> well, no, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I knew we could count on you with that. Well, and the fact of the matter is this. Mm-hmm. That's a very obscure subject and the reason has to do with the fact that you're talking anywhere between as early as 1839 uh, all the way to uh, 1905 Mm -hmm. Uh, and there has been like four or six different inventors that claim they invented it and uh, but the fact is this think about it back in those days and the internal combustion engine, okay, uh, they, sure, they, they, they had those, uh, they already had those steam engines, okay? Right. But the internal combustion engine was very experimental. And engineers at universities in Germany, England, here in the States, uh, and other developed countries, you know, they would read each other's papers and this and the other. And before you know it, there was more than one guy making engines out there and trying to make a car. Okay? Oh, yeah. It's not impossible that more than one guy invented the thing on their own without copying from the other guy, see? Because the names that always come up the most is like uh, Oliver Lodge, mm-hmm. 
from England. Okay, he was a physicist and an engineer. And uh, there was also back back on the actually Oliver Lodge is the guy that invented the the wireless telegraph, but he, he was better known for that. He also invented this uh, ignition system for for the combustion engine. And two of his sons uh, went and carried that invention, and they put that into they opened a small company and they started making these things in the small blocks. Mm-hmm. But also, as early as 1839, Edmund Berger, it, uh, he, he, also, he was also credited uh, inventing the spot block. The only thing is he never got a patent for that, where Oliver Lodge did got a patent. And then uh, a little later, also, who we know the most is Robert August Bosch. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, and it was like 1905, something like that in Germany, and, uh, of course, we know who made all the money because there are so many products uh, nowadays around the world made by the Bosch company. That's correct. And, and uh, the Bosch company, back when I started uh, the automotive business, it was back in the 70s, and that wasn't very popular here except on the import cars. It was like a European thing. This Bosch thing was European yes. only. Yes, it was. But then, you know, like like since 15 years ago or so, they started making things for every car in the world. And nowadays, you find Bosch products and Bosch alternators, even on Chevy cars. Oh yeah. Okay, and trucks. Yeah, you do. So, and so yeah, there's a quite a, a a little curve right there when it comes to these uh, spot blocks. And uh, I hope I answered your question. You sure did. <laughs> Thank you, Pablo. Okay. You certainly did. Okay, Pam. And I appreciate everything. Okay. Okay. So then I'll go back to work. You're going to go back to work? I'm going to go back to work. Thank you again for taking the time out, Pablo. That that was really interesting. Anytime, Pam. It really was. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Each manufacturer and each model has its own spark plug schedule. So if you're not familiar with yours, look in your manual or ask your ASC certified technician they'll be able to give you the correct answer because there again, we don't know if you're driving in the severe duty conditions or just in normal conditions, depending upon where you live and how you use your car. So ask them, they'll give you the straight skinny. So let's go on and talk about our trouble service bulletins. This week we have a recall. It's for the Audi Quattro sedan. And they have an issue with the headlights, the daytime running lights. They're not working, and they have a fix. So, and this bulletin is for 2009 Audi A6 Quattro sedan. We're going to have the bulletin number and the contact information on our webtalkradio.net homepage for Car Care for the Clueless. Our next trouble service bulletin is going to be another recall on the 2009 Jeep Grand Cherokee, the two-wheel drive V8 version, and they're having an issue with the steering column control module. There's a defect. They think that they got them all, but we're mentioning this because they're not sure that they did. So again, the safety recall number will be on our WebTalk Radio homepage, and it'll have the recall number, we'll have the phone number there for you, and this is extremely important because this has to do how your vehicle steers. And we don't want you to get stuck in a left or a right turn because we don't know when this defect is actually going to mature and kick in 
We don't want you to be driving with this. So if you have one of these vehicles, the 09 Grand Cherokee two-wheel drive with a V8, please look on our website and check it out and make sure that your vehicle's been taken care of. Okay, let's move along. Like I said, our new addition is Cheap Car Tips. That's right, the magic word cheap, which means we're not going to spend money if anything, just pennies. And this is going to be the cost of paper towels and some cleaner like 409 or Fantastic. Extremely important. People forget to clean their wiper blades. And cleaning their wiper blades with a product like Fantastic 409, so on and so forth, and using a clean white paper towel, you would not believe the road grime that comes off those wiper blades. And this grime can actually visually impair you while you're driving in rain or sleet. You remember we've got that coming up, folks. And snow, we don't want this. We want you to have crystal clear vision. And this is something you can do in your driveway. All you do is you just squirt the 409 or the Fantastic in the center of the paper towel and run the blades back and forth. And while you're at it, take a look at the blades and see if the rubber is actually coming apart on the ends or anything. If, if that's the case, it's time to get new blades. So just pop over and see your ASC certified technician and they can install the blades for you. But by cleaning the wiper blades on your car, not only will you be able to see through the windshield much easier, it actually prolongs the life of the wiper blade. Prolonging the life means you're not buying extra wiper blades and you keep the money in your pocket and hey, I'm all for that. So a bottle of Fantastic or 409, the paper towels, just get out there, it takes you five, 10 minutes, clean those wiper blades and you're gonna save money in your wallet, in your bank account by just doing something simple like this. More cost effective than that, because if you can't see properly through that windshield, you may get into an accident. And we all know that's extremely expensive. Keep those wiper blades clean, great idea. And that's this week's Cheap Car Care Tip. Hey Peter, this is Pam, how you doing? Hi Pam, how are you doing today? Good, so what gadget do you have for us this week? Well, it's kind of a different one from the other ones, but it's very practical as well. It is a wireless car baby monitor. <laughs> really? Yes. Actually, it's just like a little video camera that you put on the dash. Mm -hmm. And do you remember us talking about those uh, the backup cameras, you know, that they used to put on the trucks where they right. put the... Yeah, they put the lens on the license plate. Right. Well, actually, this works basically the same way, except you got your monitor on the dash. Uh-huh. And then you've got the other portion. It's mounted on the dash as well, and it's pointed right at the child seat. You don't have to keep turning around to see what's going on with the child in the in the baby seat or the kids in back. You can look just look on the monitor and see what's going on with them instead of having to keep constantly turning around. So instead of using the rearview mirror, you can actually use that. Right. Exactly. For the traffic. Yeah, it's definitely a lot safer than having to turn around. Wow, you know, that's pretty neat. I'm glad they didn't have that, though, while we were growing up. Yeah, you guys be in a lot of trouble real quick, I'll <laughs> tell you. Yes, you would. Same, same with us, our big family. Yeah, you got that right. <laughs> She's touching me. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? You could see if they really were or not, you know? Yep, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I remember my uh, 
my pop taking the rearview mirror and angling it so he could uh, look at yeah, what was going on in the back seat yep, and using the both. rally mirrors to look what's behind him, which wasn't good. Yeah, but looking at both of you guys from what you told me. Oh, yeah. Don't so touch, Don't touch me. Don't look at me. I was like, oh, my God, I got 17 hours of this. Oh, my God. <laughs> Poor mom and dad. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> But, you know, this is pretty neat for, you know, people with small children or, you know, infants, infants, you know. Definitely. Just keep an eye on them. It's, I mean, you don't have really even have to take your eyes off the road. You can basically look at the camera, you know, through your peripheral yeah. and you, you can still see it, you know. Good but, deal. You know, just take a quick glance and you can get right back to the road. It's not having to turn mm-hmm. all the way around. So that's a very good ingenious way to do it. So how much are these? Uh, these run about $90. That's not too bad. No, that's not too bad for no. for what it does. No, that's not bad at all. And where would you find these? You can get them online. Like everything else, yeah. Not bad. What a great idea. And it would really help, you know, young families out, especially uh, refereeing the, <laughs> the back seat. <laughs> yeah. If you know if the mom's just driving by herself, it'll definitely help her. But yeah. you know, both parents are there, then you know it'll make it even easier. You know they can keep driving, and you know mom mm-hmm. can get back there and separate them or do whatever she's got to do. But you know if you're by yourself, it's definitely a good good idea to maybe have one in there and uh, keep an eye on the kids. Well, thank you, Peter. What a great idea. That's good. Yeah, I thought it was a good one. Well, we'll talk to you next week. All right, sounds good. We'll take care. All right. Well, that was a pretty neat idea from Peter. A baby monitor or a small child monitor for rear seat so the driver can watch. Like I told him, boy, I'm glad that wasn't around when we were kids growing up. We would have been sunk some of the stuff we did. (laughs) Okay, so enough about that. And this week's email question of the week comes from Fran from New York. She has a Dodge Caravan. And she said, while she was driving it, the brake pedal went to the floor. What could that be? Well, hopefully, Fran, you had your vehicle towed to an ASC certified shop, a Blue Seal shop, and had this checked out before you decided to drive it anywhere else. Brakes are the most important thing on your vehicle. I don't care what you think it is. You may think it's those heated seats this winter. But let me tell you, if you can't stop the car... Somebody could get hurt or killed. The number one thing on the vehicle is the brakes. It's a no-brainer. So you said it went to the floor once. Well, several things could be going on without actually seeing the vehicle. Uh, Educated guess could be that the master brake cylinder, the cylinder that actually provides the fluid to all four brakes on all four wheels, That could be bypassing. There's a possibility there. Or you could have a brake fluid leak somewhere that it actually just finally bypassed and the brake fluid squirted out of one of the lines or out of a wheel cylinder or a caliper. That's not good. We don't want you driving like that either. The other thing too, which is extremely important, your vehicle does have ABS, anti-lock braking system. And if you're used to an older vehicle where you had to pump the brake pedal for it to stop properly, and with ABS, you don't. In fact, if you were pumping the brake pedal, you would lose the brake pedal. It would, it would sink. 
because it's very confused. It's the computer saying, hey, you know, that's my job. What are you doing? Um, now what do I need to do? You're pumping the brake and oh, well, I'm just not going to do anything and the pedal is going to go to the floor. Not a good idea. So remember with an ABS system like you have, don't pump the brake pedal. Just press down firmly. Let the computer, the ABS, do the work for you. And by all means, please, I hope that you had the vehicle towed after you had that one symptom. It's extremely important. We want to make sure that everybody on that road is safe, including you. Remember, a problem with the brakes, somebody can get hurt or killed. It's not worth it. And plus, you don't want the the issue to domino into something just horrible. So instead of paying maybe $100 for a problem, you might be paying $1,000. So see, there's another reason why you don't want to be driving a vehicle when you have something like this happening. We want you to keep that money in your wallet and keep it in your bank account. Well, again, I don't know where the time's gone, but thank you for tuning in to Car Care for the Clueless. Again, I'm your host, Pam Oaks. And we want to have a special thank you to our ASC Master L1 technician, Pablo Sarmiento, giving us that dissertation on spark plugs. And Peter Sudak, our gadget guru, thank you again. What a neat idea for a baby monitor in the car, especially uh, if you have small kids, you're not looking in your rear view mirror, looking at the kids. You're looking in your rear view mirror for the traffic behind you. And you have that little monitor up there. You can keep an eye on the little munchkins in the back. And again, thank you to our sponsors, Continental Tires and Jasper Engines and Transmissions. And for the past 17 years in my shop, I've installed these products on my customers' cars. I would not endorse them if I didn't believe in the products. So again, thank you, sponsors, and look forward to talking to you next week. Again, this whole show is to make you a savvy car care consumer, and we hope we help this week. Take care. Thanks for joining us today. Please make sure to come back next week for another edition of Car Care for the Clueless. And don't forget to look for Pam's book, Car Care for the Clueless, or How to Make Money While Maintaining a Vehicle. You'll find it on our website. Just click on the icon Host Website right in front of you on the webtalkradio.net page. See you next week.